Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Intersecting Media presents... We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. The next thing in late night talk. Here we go. While you're working, eating, and playing, he's watching. It'll be like old 10 Keeping you informed. Thank you. Jason Page. Demented and sad, but social. Covering all the day's news from a studio somewhere in Southeast Asia. Worldwide! And talking about it with you. Blah, blah, blah. You're up late with Jason Page. Hoo-ah! Or up early. Good morning. But just stay up. It is time. Here's Jason. Thank you so much, Chad Erickson. I am Jason Page, and you are up late on this. Good morning. But just stay up. Yeah. It is time. Just stay up. Um, good to be with you. Good to be with you on this first day of the week for us, Monday night slash Tuesday morning. We got a lot to get into over the next, oh, 60 minutes. It's already been a busy day for me. Um, I'll tell you guys, I feel so lucky. Um, A lot of people ask, you know, why I'm still working in broadcasting. I'm in Singapore. Um, First of all, you can really broadcast from anywhere these days. You don't need to be in a conventional studio. We've built a studio here in our condo and... It has all the amenities that I'm used to using in any normal functioning studio. And in some cases, in some cases, it's even better. It's got a couch behind. Me. So if I get bored, I could just go sit on the couch. You don't have a lot of those in studios. But most of all, I still like storytelling. I still like having conversations with people. I still like um, talking with people. I don't do interviews. I do conversations. And I was really lucky for the latest episode of the Intersection podcast. Um, And just this morning, we taped it here in Singapore. Uh, I was able to talk with Lon McCarron. He is the um, hand-by-hand commentator for the World Series of Poker, along with Norman Chad. And Lon McCarron is somebody I got to know about 10 years or so ago, a little more than that. Um, about 10 years ago, actually. Um, and, and there's a whole story behind how I met him and how I got to know him and how we became um, friends, so to speak. And it was so cool to talk with him uh, earlier today for the Intersection Podcast. So if you have not already done so, two things to do. Uh, subscribe to the Intersection Podcast. 
It is available from Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's on every podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, all those different things. Go and subscribe to the Intersection Podcast because dropping overnight will be my conversation with Lon McCarron. It's about a 45-minute conversation talking about the World Series of Poker, but also just talking about his career and, and just sharing stories from, from, our, from our time in the, in the broadcasting industry. It's a really neat conversation. So uh, a little inside baseball, I guess you could say. So if you get a chance, go and subscribe to the Intersection Podcast. Also, uh, for those of you that can't stay up late with us, we have the Up Late with Jason Page podcast, also courtesy of Believe, and also available on all your major podcasting platforms. It's this show in the audio form. So if you miss anything from it, if you can't stay up late with us, because we are on at 11 p.m. Eastern on the East Coast of the United States, 8 p.m. on the on the Pacific Coast, you may not be able to stay up with us. Totally understandable. Uh, go and subscribe to the Up Late with Jason Page podcast. I appreciate it. Okay, uh, where do we begin? I'm actually want to believe I want to begin with cancel culture. Um, because it's a, it's a topic that continues to gain traction. It's one that's generally brought up by conservatives, um, as a derogatory means of describing the way in most cases, liberals are basically trying to remove from our culture and from our society things that are politically incorrect or things that are demeaning or things that are, um, uncalled for, whatever it may be. And in some cases, cancel culture is very valid. Uh, it's extremely relevant. It is uh, important. But there comes a tipping point in every movement, right? And this happens all the time. There always comes a point in time where something goes too far, where it jumps the shark, so to speak. And you start to wonder now out loud, if cancel culture is one of those things that has officially jumped the shark. When you've got Mr. Potato Head being canceled and now it's just going to be called Potato Head and then Hasbro comes out and says, no, no, we're going to do it different. Or Dr. Seuss is being canceled. When you have um, you know, Lincoln and even Dianne Feinstein being removed from schools and statues and all that stuff out in California because of things they may have done in the past that weren't necessarily... Um, the best things to do from a civil rights standpoint, all of these different things. So I want to I sort of pose the question a different way and let you guys decide how you feel about it. Is it really cancel culture? As some people like to call it, I heard Bill Maher um, railing against it this weekend, and he's been railing against it a lot. Again, as have a lot of people. But is it cancel culture? Or is it a new awakening? Are we looking at this the wrong way? By calling it cancel culture and giving it this negative connotation, aren't we just kind of rewriting the rules of what is acceptable and what we're going to tolerate in our society? Again, I merely pose the question because I hear so much about cancel culture and not enough about the need to rewrite the rules of our society. And this broadens out into an even bigger topic for me, which is, and I was having this conversation with somebody this weekend um, at a coffee shop here in Singapore. 
Was it over the weekend or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. I was talking with somebody about this idea of um, the Constitution. And somebody was saying, "Is democracy? does democracy work? And obviously certain parts of democracy are important. And obviously certain parts of democracy work. Freedom of speech, uh, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, all these different things. But there are elements of our Constitution that are extremely outdated. And I was talking with this person about the need to rewrite the Constitution. That we need a new Constitution. We need a reconstituting of the Constitution. And if you don't believe it, one, one of these days, maybe I'll just sit and read. Maybe I'll just sit and read the Constitution out loud. I did this one time with a New York Times article, and a lot of people loved it. Maybe one day I'll just sit and read the Constitution. We'll just do an entire, however long it takes, I'll just read the Constitution. And you'll start to understand it is extremely outdated. It is an outdated document. It is not relevant in many regards to the times we live in today. And there needs to be something that can update that. Now, somebody will say, well, why don't you just amend the Constitution? That's what the amendments are for. Do you know how hard it is to amend the Constitution? Do you know how difficult it is to amend the Constitution of the United States? What you need to have happen? the different votes that have to take place, the different states that have to ratify. Forget it. You can't do it in this day and age, and it's going to become even more and more difficult to do the more divided the United States becomes. So I'm not necessarily for cancel culture. What I am for is rewriting the rules of what we find tolerable, what we find acceptable in society today. What do you think? Let me know. You can leave us a message in the chat box. You can tweet at me at the back page. I'm of the belief that there needs to be, you know, we always talk about this term, the new normal, right? We've For the last year, we've been talking about the new normal is, you know, having to wear masks and school from home and work from home and small gatherings and having to stand socially distanced, all these new things. Well, you know what? We need a new normal when it comes to a lot of things in the United States. Not everything, the problem is, I also was talking about this with this person who's, again, grown up and lived in Singapore and China their entire life. And this person was saying to me that, if they had to choose between democracy and totalitarianism, they'd actually lean towards totalitarianism because there are certain guarantees built into that. There's a social construct. There's a social contract. There's a social contract between the government and its people. You do what we say, which again, I'm not necessarily in favor for by any stretch, but you do what we say, you trust us, we take care of you. But you're not going to protest and you're not going to have talk radio and and these sorts of things. There's all, you know, there's not going to be dissent. But in return, we will take care of you. Hmm. That's part of that social construct in some of these these, uh, countries around the world. And it works for them. 
I'm not saying the United States should go the route of totalitarianism or authoritarianism or communism or socialism. I'm not saying any of that. I'm simply saying the current form of democracy, and in some regards even to stretch this conversation out in a, in a whole other way, the, the constructs of capitalism are not working the way they were intended to. Too many people are taking liberties with the freedoms that they have been granted. And as a result, you have a lot of people being left out of the economy or being left out of society or being left out of um, pay increases or equal pay when you talk about women versus men. I mean, even something as basic as that, that there's an argument to be had about whether men and women should be paid equally. I mean, who argues against that? Who, how do you argue against the idea? How is it in America you can't come up with some sort of amendment to the Constitution that says a woman gets paid equal to what a man gets paid? That's where capitalism is broke because capitalists will say, well, the free market should decide and blah, blah, blah. How free is the market if women can't get paid the same amount as men? It's not free. I'll give you the answer. And there are women out there that probably do a damn better job than men. And they don't get paid the same amount. You think that's okay? And when you're talking about minimum wage not having been raised in 10 or 11 years, how is somebody supposed to keep up? You ever hear of inflation? Cost of goods and services rising. But the cost of, but, but your pay isn't. Your paycheck isn't. Oh, well, Trump had this great economy. And man, look at the, the unemployment was down to this. Yes, people were working two and three jobs to make their ends meet. Capitalism is broken. The democracy is broken. The Constitution is outdated. You take those three things, lump them together, what do you have? The United States today. The problem that you are seeing today. And then you have cancel culture on top of that. You've just got a litany. You just have a litany of different issues that are contributing to the strife and divide that you see in the United States today. There are so many different tiers of society. You have the ultimate haves, the one percenters. And then you got people doing really well, you know, the top 10, 15%. And then you got those people in the middle. And then you got the people on the back end that are constantly getting the shaft. The same people that can't get the coronavirus vaccine because they live in impoverished neighborhoods and you can't get the vaccine to them. And you haven't figured out a way because they're not important enough. But then come election day, you'll go to those people and say, oh, but by the way, vote for us because we've got your back. Which is how Democrats have always treated minorities in America. Oh, but you should come vote for us because we care about you more. But do you really, or do you only care for us every two or four years? Something to ponder, something to think about. Buddy Sean weighing in in Syracuse, New York. Says virtual meetings will be the new normal, even trivia and drinking at home, watching Zoom. No. I think that, I think that will slowly start to fade this year, and I think we'll get to a place by the summertime in the U.S. where... 
You're going to see a, we've heard of the great reawakening. The great, you're going to hear about the great reopening of America. Probably by the summer, I would, I would venture to guess. Especially now with the single shot vaccine from Johnson & Johnson having come out, I think you're going to hear a lot of that. You got a question, put it in the chat box. You got a comment as well. Uh, you can put it in the chat box too. Um, I hate bringing up this guy. God, I hate bringing him up. Uh, but Trump is back. Guess who's back? Back again. Trump is back. Oh, there he was in all his glory. The Donald J. Trump. At CPAC. Yep, he was at CPAC this weekend. Oh, yeah, and he was playing his greatest hits. I always talk about Bernie Williams. Uh, Bernie Williams. <laughs> Bernie Sanders uh, playing his greatest hits. Well, yeah, Donald Trump playing his greatest hits at CPAC. But there is bad news for Trump, his supporters, the GOP, and I'll explain what that is. First, Donald Trump in his own words at CPAC. Well, thank you very much, and hello, CPAC. Do you miss me yet? No, like herpes. Like Stormy Daniels would miss an STD. That's how we miss you. <laughs> That's how we miss you, Donald. By the way, did you notice everybody's standing up in that ballroom? No masks. No masks. Great idea. It's Darwin's theory, right? Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. <laughs> Already the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. Anti-science. This is coming from the guy, by the way, who said inject bleach into yourself. Disinfectant. Ah, go ahead. Should we do that? Can we do that? I think we could do that. Right, Deborah? This is that guy, anti-science guy. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. The Democrats don't have grandstanders like Mitt Romney, Little Ben Sass, Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey. And in the House, Tom Rice, South Carolina, Adam Kinzinger, Dan Newhouse, Anthony Gonzalez, that's another beauty, Fred Upton, <laughs> Jamie Herrera Butler, Peter Meyer, John Katko, David Valadeo. And of course, the warmonger, a person that loves seeing our troops fighting, Liz Cheney. How about that? <laughs> Joe Biden and the Democrats are even pushing policies that would destroy women's sports. Young girls and women are incensed that they are now being forced to compete against those who are Biological males. It's not good for women. It's not good for women's sports. Yeah, because Donald Trump cares a lot about women's sports. He wants you to believe he cares about women's sports. 
I mean, really? It's just a wedge issue. It's something to get the base, that conservative base riled up. That's all it is. And I'm not, I talked about this last week on the show. I'm not saying it isn't a complicated issue. It is. But that's not, what he's, that's not why he's discussing it in the terms he's discussing it. He's discussing it because it's something that can get conservatives outraged. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time. Okay, Okay, now keep in mind, this is a guy who's lost the popular vote twice. Twice. And he lost in the Electoral College the second time around by the same amount he beat his opponent in 2016. Facts. They matter. Trump's still telling you something different. Many people have asked, what is Trumpism? A new term being used more and more. I'm hearing that term more and more. I didn't come up with it. But what it means is great deals, great trade deals, great ones, not deals where we give away everything, our jobs, our money. (laughs) Tens of millions of ballots, where are they coming from? They're coming all over the place. Where illegal aliens and dead people are voting and many other horrible things are happening that are too voluminous to even mention, but people know it's being studied. The level of dishonesty is not to be believed. Ah, then the YMCA to finish it off. Yeah, come on. Dance, Donnie, dance. Uh, He didn't dance this time. He just quickly shuffled off the stage. Let me tell you something. Uh, All right, kill the Trump stuff here. Donald Trump looked horrendous in that speech. Think about the Trump you used to see out on the campaign trail. Think about the Trump in the White House. Think about that boisterous, loud, obnoxious Trump. That high, that high energy Donald Trump used to dance on stage, used to go off prompter a ton. This was boring prompter Trump. If you sat through that for whatever it was, 45 minutes, an hour, you should ask for your money back. Ask for that hour of your life back because that was horrendous. Not to, not to mention all the lies being told. I had a member of my family who uh, put up as their Facebook story, you know, those Facebook stories you can create. They put up them watching that. To that person in my family, I feel sorry for you. You must have nothing to do on a Sunday evening. Call me. Call me. I'll talk to you. I'll talk you through it. We can find something better for you to do because you must have no life if you sat there for an hour and watched that. By the way, only Fox News of the three major networks actually carried it. Um, There is more bad news, though. There is more bad news for the GOP, and here it is. The CPAC straw poll, which they do every year at this event, which basically outlines who the top candidates are right now for the 2024 Republican primary for president. 
Now, you may look at it and say, well, see, Donald Trump, he's still the standard bearer for our party. Look at those, look at those numbers. 55%. Wow. Um, for a guy that just left the White House and for a straw poll being held at an event where he's speaking in his home state of Florida now, only 55%? Oh, but your party is united. No, it's not. It couldn't be more ununited. It couldn't lack more unification than this poll would indicate. And look at the names on this poll. Okay, let's talk about some of these. And this is why the Republicans are in so much trouble. They've got to be in such panic mode right now. I'm telling you, they may wind up out of the White House for a generation if they continue to cling to Trump. So Trump, excuse me, Trump gets 55%. Then you have Ron DeSantis at 21, the Florida governor. Then you have South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, Governor from South Dakota. Oh, yeah, she's got a chance. Nikki Haley at 3%. Then you got the two percenters. Mike Pompeo, Ted Cruz, and Rand Paul. And then look at the name that's eighth down on this list. Remember when we had Matt Lewis on from the Daily Beast? Conservative commentator and friend of Tucker Carlson. Used to work with him. Tucker Carlson gets 1% in this poll. And if Trump isn't in the poll, he gets 3%. He's the second choice of 3%. If you're Tucker Carlson and you're looking at this, and you're looking at all those establishment names on the list, all those establishment names on the list, if you're Tucker Carlson, you have to be thinking about running. I think it's crazy. I don't think he has a chance in hell of winning. I think there would be so many things dragged out about him from his days at Fox News and beyond. There's no way he would get elected. But we also said that about Trump. And if Trump could get elected with all the things in his past, Tucker Carlson certainly could. But there's Tucker Carlson in the same category with Josh Hawley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott. We're talking career politicians here. But keep telling yourself the Republican Party is united. This right here tells you that that couldn't be further from the truth. It is interesting to see Mitt Romney in there. Could Mitt Romney run again in 2024 as the moderate alternative for the Republican Party? Basically, Mitt Romney running... It would be the Joe Biden version of the Democrat of, of for the Republicans. Whereas Joe Biden was the moderate alternative Democrat light in a lot of people's minds, even though I still think he's further to the left than most understand. Biden, Democrat light, Mitt Romney, Republican light. Romney could run in 2024. I would not be shocked if that were to take place. You have John Kasich in there as a moderate alternative, Larry Hogan in there, moderate alternative as well. But very interesting to see the the names on there. Other was 3% undecided, 1%. But if you think Trump at 55% 
to be the Republican primary um, winner in 2024 is a good number. Think again. Go look at some of the past statistics on this. This is not a good number for a guy that just left the White House who's supposedly so popular that got 74 million votes. This is not a good number amongst his own if he's only scoring at 55%. He is not inevitable as the Republican primary candidate if Republicans coalesce around a more moderate candidate to go up against him. A lot of time between now and 2023 when we'll start to have these conversations about a Republican primary and who knows between now and 2023 what actually takes place with regard to Trump and his legal woes potentially that are mounting whether or not he winds up staying out of prison. Can't run for president if you've been convicted of a federal crime. I don't even know if you can run if you've been convicted of a felony. So you could be talking about a situation where Donald Trump may want to run, but can't in 2024. That's why I'm saying such a long time between now and then. I still, in my heart of hearts, don't think Trump will be the nominee in 2024. And that's why the longer the GOP establishment in Washington continues to support and hug Trump, the harder it's going to be to break away from him if and when he goes to prison, if and when he decides not to run, whatever. And then you've got to try and take all that support and shift it towards another candidate, either a more moderate candidate or a Josh Hawley or a Ted Cruz or a Marco Rubio, the, the Trump sycophants, Lindsey Graham, who knows? I'm Jason Page. You are up late with us on a Monday night slash Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> I have to take Joe Biden to task. I know everybody thinks that I'm some crazy liberal. Um, but as I often explain on this show, I'm really an independent. Not really. I am an independent. And I will tell you when I have things about Joe Biden that bother me. Something took place late last week and over the weekend with regard to Joe Biden. It really bothered me. We'll get to it next.
All right, we welcome you back. Up late with Jason Page on this Monday slash Tuesday edition of the show. Don't forget, if you have not done so, uh, subscribe to the Intersection Podcast. Uh, that is courtesy of Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Go and subscribe today. Uh, we have a new episode dropping overnight. My conversation with Lon McCarron, the hand-by-hand voice of the World Series of Poker on ESPN. Uh, he worked on the PBA Tour for a year. He was with the X Games. He's been in broadcasting for a zillion years. Um, him and Norman Chad really are the, the Pat Summerall and John Madden of poker commentary. And they've been at it 17 years now. And they helped elevate that game along with the play itself. Um, They helped elevate that game along with ESPN as well um, to sites that I don't know if anybody could have ever imagined poker reaching. Uh, New episodes of the World Series of Poker uh, were airing this weekend, I believe. So... Interesting story with uh, me and Lon McCarron to start that podcast that you have to listen to. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but go and subscribe to the Intersection Podcast from Believe, B-L-E-A-V. It is on Spotify. It is on Apple Music Podcasts. uh, It is on TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher. It's all over the place. Go and subscribe. The Intersection Podcast from Believe. Uh, Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, the Up Late with Jason Page podcast. If you miss anything from this show, all you have to do is download the podcast. If you can't watch on a particular night, go and download the podcast. It's on all those same platforms. You can check it out for yourself. It's awesome. Okay. I have to take Joe Biden to task. I know a lot of people will be surprised To hear me say that, you shouldn't be. Because when Joe Biden deserves to be taken out to the woodshed, I will take him out to the woodshed. Uh, The verbal woodshed, that is. So you have Joe Biden um, telling the world, hey, you know, we're going to release the findings of this uh, Jamal Khashoggi report, the Washington Post journalist, United States resident, who was killed in Turkey by a bunch of guys related to um, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. This took place a couple of years ago while Trump was in office and he didn't want to do anything about it. Said, hey, the prince said he had nothing to do with it. Even though there was tons of reporting, well-sourced reporting, that knew the prince had Khashoggi killed. Never found his body. He was reportedly dismembered. Awful death. When he was going in to get um, some paperwork done, he was getting ready to marry his fiance. It's just an awful story. Now, I say this as somebody that was a journalist early in my career and somebody that has been friends with journalists throughout my career. For Joe Biden to let Mohammed bin Salman the crown prince, skate off scot-free, walk away without even a scratch on him politically, sanctions-wise, whatever it may be. For Joe Biden to allow that to happen, 
is just about the worst statement you can make early on in a presidency about you being tough on other world leaders for bad behavior. The United States used to stand up for things like this. The United States used to stand up for issues like this. Now, you have Biden touting this report that's going to be released. Then it's released. Then he talks to the king of Saudi Arabia. And then he comes back and announces, but we're not going to have any direct sanctions against MBS, against Mohammed bin Salman. Which gets me to a place where I start wondering, what did the king say to you? What did the king say that shook you so much, if you're Joe Biden, that you cowered, that you shrunk in the moment? Instead of saying, we don't care about the arms. We don't care about having to use your bases. We don't care about our relationships. This is wrong. And here's how we're going to sanction you. Instead of doing that, Joe Biden did what every president over the last 20 years, if not longer, has done when it comes to Saudi Arabia. And what's that? Eh, nothing. Now imagine how you're looking at this if you're other authoritarians around the world. Imagine how you're looking at this with regard to journalism around the world. Imagine how you're looking at this, hell, with journalism just in the United States. That you have a President Biden basically taking a similar stance to that of Donald Trump, which was, we're not going to do anything about it. And don't tell me about, well, they're banning certain Saudis from coming into the country and certain people related to MBS, they can't come into the United States. This was a crime. This was a murder perpetrated by a world leader on a United States resident. And you're not going to do anything about it? It's spineless. It's gutless. And it can't be allowed to go unchecked. The Washington Post has come out and been critical. But I don't hear enough Democrats. Where are you? I don't hear enough Democrats voicing their outrage. Oh, well, we're too worried about the COVID relief bill. We got to get the stimulus package through. So we're, we're focused on that. You can't focus on more than one thing at a time. This guy was a U.S. resident. He was working for the Washington Post. Think about the message it sends to that newsroom and every other newsroom in America and around the world. When Joe Biden stands up and says, eh, talk to the king. Here's some sanctions. Slap on the wrist. Now back to that COVID stimulus relief package. How about that money we're going to give you? Some people might forget about it. And the sad reality is, in a day and age where we move from one crisis to the next, in a day and age where we move from um, one trouble spot to the next, we govern from crisis to crisis, that sort of thing. 
in a day and age where that's the case, in another week, people are going to say, Muhammad bin who? Jamal who? who? Oh, that Washington, that reporter guy? Oh, yeah. We're always on to the next thing. Think about where we are. It's Monday, March 1st in the United States. March 2nd here in Singapore. But think about where we are today. And think about in a week the number of different stories that will transpire that will bump this from the front pages, so to speak. It's outrageous. It really is. Shouldn't be allowed to happen. But it is. And yet again, we're talking about a situation where U.S. strength, moral character. Remember, I'll bring this up real quick. When Kamala Harris ran for president, I always hearken back to this. Because I was at her rally when she announced she was running for president in Oakland. Really cool event. And she was my pick to be president. She was the first person I endorsed. But I remember one thing she said that really stuck with me at her campaign launch. She said, who are we? We need to answer this fundamental question in the United States of who are we? And I said, that really resonated with me. It's something I've taken with me every day since 2018. It was October of 2018 when she announced she was running, something like that. I don't remember. Maybe it was February of 2019 or January of 2019. But I was at that rally, and I've carried it with me. Who are we? And I would ask that question of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden today. Kamala Harris, you're one of the last voices in the room before Joe Biden makes any decisions. And if you are, I'm asking you, Kamala Harris, with regard to how this was handled, and if you have sway, and if you have a voice in this administration, what I need to know from Kamala Harris is, ask yourself that same question. Who are we? Are we a nation that simply washes our hands of something, throws a few sanctions on the table, but doesn't punish Mohammed bin Salman for masterminding the murder of, of a U.S. resident, a U.S. journalist in another country in Turkey, not even in Saudi Arabia, but going to Turkey and killing him in the Saudi embassy. Is that who we are, Kamala Harris? Is that who we are, Joe Biden? To authoritarians around the world, to fascist dictators around the world? Yeah. That's exactly who we are. We're given a free pass to any other fascist dictator, authoritarianist that wants to do the same thing. It's not a good look for America, folks. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. You got you to call it out when you see it. All right, quick break. We'll come back. I've got uh, some thoughts on... That time of the year, award season. The Golden Globes were on Sunday night. Uh, I'm not going to talk about who won and who lost because I could really care less. Uh, what I am going to talk about is something a little more important with regard to these award shows. We'll get to that, and we'll wrap it up with some sports talk. Big weekend in sports. Uh, the latest on Tiger Woods' car crash. And something very cool a bunch of guys on the PGA Tour did uh, on Sunday as well. 
all of that as we continue up late. Welcome you back up late with Jason Page on this Monday night slash Tuesday. Thank you for being a part of it. Uh, we'll get to some sports talk coming up here in a couple of minutes. Um, anybody watch the Golden Globes? Oh, you weren't alone. Uh, apparently, Golden Globes numbers, uh, Golden Globes ratings, yeah, wasn't very good. Uh, and this continues to be a problem every year for these different types of award shows. Um, looks like an all-time low. The headline from Deadline. Like that? Headline from Deadline? The headline from Deadline. Golden Globes ratings look like all-time low for NBC in early numbers. That's not good. Winners notwithstanding, the obvious shortcomings of the 78th annual Golden Globes on-screen Sunday night were reflected in the ratings for the NBC broadcast. Coming in with a 1.2 rating in the adults 18 to 49 demographic and about 5.4 million viewers, the 2021 Globes telecast fell about 60% in both categories from the partially adjusted fast national numbers snared last year from the Ricky Gervais-hosted Golden Globes. So first of all, America is making it 
clear. It's tired of Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. We've had enough of them, right? I mean, let's just be honest. And I like them both in, in different things they do um, in terms of like shows and stuff like that. But the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey comedy show has kind of worn itself out, right? But this is something that has slipped into the Grammys and the Academy Awards and the music award shows. People just aren't watching. And I can't for the life of me tell you why. I know conservatives will say, well, it's because the shows have become too political. It's because somebody talks about, if if Mia Farrow gets on stage and talks about politics, or if I have to hear Susan Sarandon go off about President Trump, I don't want to watch. I'll tell you why that's garbage. People make the same argument in the NFL all the time. Well, I'm not going to watch the NFL anymore. And then you look at the ratings, and the ratings are still kicking ass. Maybe not as high as its peak, but still monster numbers. The drop-off for these award shows is far more precipitous than what we're seeing in terms of sports, where people are still watching in large numbers, at least the NFL. Baseball, basketball, they're always going to come up distant second and third and hockey and all that. But award shows, the drop-off is so immense And I can't tell you why. A lot of times I can come on here and give a rationale for something. I can give you an an educated opinion. I can't give you an educated opinion on why people are not watching award shows anymore. The 2020 ratings for the Golden Globes went to 18.3 million viewers in the final numbers, which have not come in yet for last night's or Sunday night's uh, Golden Globes. But there's no way they're going to come close to that 18.3 million. Now, is it COVID-related? Is it because people maybe think they're not going to be seeing the the stars on stage, red carpet, all that stuff? I don't know. And maybe next year there'll be a bump back up. But it's certainly not going to be as big a number as I think the industry executives would hope for. Very interesting. And it'll be fascinating to watch how award shows start to reinvent themselves how do these award shows start to reinvent themselves um in the years ahead because they obviously have to i don't know what the answer is um before i get to sports only because it happened just before we came on air tonight it wasn't something i had planned to talk about but it's something we should talk about and that is the andrew cuomo situation in new york You have Andrew Cuomo, the governor, facing allegations of sexual harassment against different people he's worked with. Now, a third accuser has come forward. Now, we talked about this before, but the other element of this story is the Chris Cuomo part of it. His brother hosts on uh, CNN at 9 p.m. Eastern weeknights. Well, now you're talking about a situation where Chris Cuomo actually had to come out on the air and address the allegations against his brother. I'm going to read you from uh, Chris Cuomo tonight, Cuomo primetime or whatever it's called on uh, CNN. He said, before we start tonight, let me say something that I am sure very, uh, that I am sure very obvious to you who watch my show. And thank you for that. You are straight with me. I will be straight with you. Obviously I am aware of what is going on with my brother. And obviously I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it, he says. They have covered it extensively, and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues, and profoundly so. I just want to tell you that 
There's a lot of news that goes on also, so let's get after that. So that is what Chris Cuomo said on primetime. Has to be extremely awkward for him to have the network he works for covering and reporting on a story that essentially labels his brother, casts his brother as the villain in this sexual harassment story. Uh, I've got more I want to talk about with regards to sex crimes, sexual abuse. Uh, We'll do that on tomorrow's show. All right, to happier stuff, and that is sports. And if you are an Arizona Cardinals fan, you have got to be thrilled. You've got to love the fact that your front office just went out and landed J.J. Watt. Two-year deal, I think it's 31 or $32 million, something like that. I say this all the time in sports. I said this years ago when the Yankees traded for uh, Alfonso Soriano. They got him from, they after he left the organization and all that, they got him back from the Cubs. I think it was Soriano, pretty sure. Uh, they got him back on the backside of his career. And I say this all the time. Give me a motivated veteran any day of the week, especially one that doesn't have a ring. Give me a motivated veteran that's hungry, desperate, starving for a ring. It's always going to be, almost always going to be a winning situation. Heck, even in the Buccaneers situation this year, everybody kind of guffawed when they went and got Antonio Brown. Oh, is he going to be well-behaved? Oh, all the problems with the Raiders. Oh, the problems with the Patriots. Oh, they had to be released. The assault allegations, all these different things, and rightly so, those should be brought up. Did you hear a single problem with Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers after he was signed by the team during the season? Give me a motivated veteran trying to prove he still belongs, that he still has what it takes, even on the back nine of his career, which J.J. Watt certainly is, Give me that guy every day of the week. Every day of the week, I'll take that. Because J.J. Watt probably still has two years left. He's probably got still two good years left. Put him alongside Chandler Jones. Oh, I mean, they're going to be brutal on quarterbacks. If you were Russell Wilson and you were worried about pass protection in 2020, you just wait till 2021 and twice you got to face J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Oh, my God. Great move. Great move by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, do they have the quarterback to win? Eh, that's a question. And there are some people available on the market, so we'll have to wait and see if they decide that they've got their quarterback of the future there. <sighs> Who runs the football extremely well. He doesn't throw it extremely well. All right. Um, Tiger Woods, real quick. There's all this conversation now about, oh, did he fall asleep at the wheel? They've got accident recreation people, but people that do not have direct knowledge of the investigation that are coming out and saying stuff. Everybody's got to, I hate to use this word. It's a terrible pun. Everybody's got to pump the brakes on this story. Let police handle the investigation. There's going to be plenty of time to critique what Tiger may or may not have done wrong behind the the wheel of this car. Obviously, he did something wrong to allow for him to cross a divider, go hundreds of feet off the road, and nearly kill himself and destroy this SUV. But let's not jump to conclusions as to what those things were. Not yet. Uh, On a happier note, kudos, and may I say major kudos, 
to a lot of guys on the PGA Tour who wore Tiger's usual red on Sunday in honor of Tiger. And Tiger, who's been fairly quiet during this time in the hospital while he's recovering from multiple leg surgeries and who knows how bad this thing is going to wind up being for him if he ever plays golf again. But even Tiger had to reach out via social media and say, you have no idea how much it means to me, basically, to have you guys wear red on Sunday and it shows you're thinking of me. Um, I thought that was very cool. So kudos to the guys on the PGA Tour um, that did that. Very cool. Uh, By the way, Colin Morikawa is really good, and he's going to win a lot on the tour. He's already won a major. He's already won four times. I think he's like 23 years old. Everybody talked. Every every time some great golfer comes along, it's always, who's going to be the next Tiger? We've kind of given up on that conversation because I think we now realize nobody's going to be the next Tiger. There'll be other great players, but nobody's going to be the next Tiger. Just like I think it would even be fair to say, well, you know, after Jack Nicklaus, who's going to be the next Jack? There is no Jack. He stands in a class by himself, as will Tiger someday. All right, let me finish with something funny today. Um, Last thing to wrap up the show. The final word of Monday night's edition of Up Late with Jason Page goes to Bill Maher. Mike Lindell is in the news. You know Mike Lindell. Show his picture. He's the My Pillow guy, big Trump supporter, <laughs> super Christian conspiracy theorist, former crackhead. I'm not saying that as a slam or a slur, that he is very honest about it. Anyway, he's getting <laughs> uh, reformed his life. Very good. Oh. Look how easy it is to get them to applaud. Um, He's he's being sued by the Dominion Voting Machine Company for $1.3 billion because he keeps claiming that the election was rigged and phony and all that. So apparently he's not going to go away. We thought it would be a very good week to do 24 things you don't know about the MyPillow guy, (laughs) Mike Lindell. 24 things. I only switched over to MyPillow after my cock sock didn't take off. In high school, I was voted most likely to sell a sack of foam to idiots. I no longer do drugs. I just sound like I do. Mike Lindell. I took the mastermind out of criminal mastermind. When I was a crack addict, I knew I'd hit rock bottom when I thought about selling my bottom for a rock. It's it's a joke. I'm a Christian, and the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, but sometimes a guy's got to score an eight ball. Again, we're just kidding. He he didn't do that. We're just making jokes. Mike Pence says my pillows are his favorite to bite. I'm an evangelical Christian, and if you were a dipshit who made $300 million selling pillows, you'd believe in God, too. Uh, That's great. Kudos to Bill Maher. Uh, who gets the final word on this episode of Up Late with Jason Page. And that's going to do it. Thanks for being a part of the show. Whether you're watching or whether you're listening. The Up Late with Jason Page podcast. If you have not subscribed, do so now. I implore you. Up Late with Jason Page podcast available from Believe, B-L-E-A-V. We are on... Apple Podcasts, we are on 
TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. The same could be said for the Intersection podcast. That's my other podcast. We've got two podcasts going and doing a nightly show. Yeah, I'm busy. Everybody asks me what I'm up to. I got plenty to keep me busy. The Intersection podcast, Lon McCarron. ESPN World Series of Poker, hand-by-hand analysis. Their analyst. Been doing it for 17 years. Extensive conversation with him on the Intersection podcast dropping overnight. All the same podcasting platforms. Carry it, go get it. Tomorrow, I got to talk about this Woody Allen story because it's obviously, not obvious, maybe it's not obvious. It's very personal to me. I'll explain why. Um... So we'll get into that. I didn't get to WandaVision today. I'll get to it tomorrow. I have now caught up on all eight episodes with the season finale coming up this weekend. So looking forward to talking about WandaVision now that I've actually watched all of it. So if you're a fan of WandaVision and you haven't watched them all, you may want to skip out on part of tomorrow's show. I'll give you a warning, though. All right, that's it for us. Mask up, stay safe, wherever you are around the world. I'm Jason Page. Thanks for staying up late. Bye. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.